Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 24th, 2019. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 28, the third paragraph. And we're going to read that one paragraph only. It starts the distinguished American psychologist. So today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps, uh, Marge E on the 12 traditions, and Lauren is going to read, Lauren N is going to read the first paragraph. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, May 23rd, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that's 12,947, 12947. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, that's 12,949, 12949. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask Tenzin P. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. uh, checking in from New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and what was wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, let me ask March E. Um, if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, Larry. Thank you very much. This is Margie from Massachusetts. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from a primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and I pass. Thank you, Marge. Here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read and we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, uh, let us know by saying, I'm done sharing. And then uh, press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, we're back in the big book. We are currently on page 28, the third paragraph, which starts the distinguished American psychologist. We're just gonna read the one paragraph. And so, Lauren Ann, are you ready? Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me Good okay? Morning. Yeah, you're coming through. Thanks, Lauren. Great. The distinguished American psychologist, William James, in his book, The Varieties of Religious Experience, indicates a multiple, multitude of ways in which men have discovered God 
We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are children of God, of a living creator, with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. Thank you all for letting me be of service and um, I am so grateful for this program and for this reading. Um, I was one of those who, who, I wasn't very super connected to, to my religion, but I didn't believe in um, certain, well, I, I'm, I'm Jewish, so, you know, anybody speaking about um Jesus or or um or God in that manner really or God's son or something like that really kind of made me want to run the other way and up until I came into the rooms this time I thought well I'll never find a god because even though I um um even though I believed that there was something hot and bigger than me out there that this that there was a reason we were here and all that stuff. I wasn't sure that there was a greater being. And I am so glad I was able to see past all those, um, this time around, all those, the big word, G with the big letter, um, because I have found a higher power. I call him God, but not in a um, religious manner, but more in a spiritual manner. And I don't, I realize that everybody has their own God and that's okay. And my God sometimes is the sun in the sky, is the blue sky, is the clouds, is the trees, is the flowers blooming. Sometimes my God is someone that I can, talk to sometimes he's my mother or she is my mother sometimes he or she is the um the friend that i had that was 16 years old and died sometimes it's just the inside the person inside me that talks to me nicely I can't define it, but all I know is it's something bigger than me. And it has helped me every minute of every day to put down the food and to not pick it up again and to believe that there is something bigger than me looking out for me today and helping me be honest. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for getting us started. Okay, so if you if you just rolled out of bed, we're on page uh, 28. Uh, Lauren read the third paragraph only on 28. And if you haven't shared in the last day, 
or so on this this hour. Um, please give me your your name and initial. Harlan G. Harlan Melanie Melissa Donna Melissa Carlisa C. Carlisa. Hi, Carlisa. All right, I got Harlan Melanie. I think I heard a Donna, or I might have been. Anna. Hearing voices. D- is that Donna? Did I hear you? Anna. Anna, Anna, Anna. Okay, I added a D to that. Melissa and Carlisa. Is there one more? Okay, well, if not, we can we can get started. So now betting, Harlan G. Hey, Harlan. <laughs> Hi, Larry. Thank you for your service. We took one on the chin last night to the Phillies, but okay, we'll we'll get uh, we'll win one today. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. On page 13 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, in Bill's story, we see a paragraph that begins, "My schoolmate visited me," and this is Ebby Thatcher. And Ebby is visiting Bill in the town's hospital on December the 14th, 1934. Under his arm is a book, and the book is written by William James, and it is the varieties of religious experience. William James is really the father of American psychology, and in 1901-1902, he, he gave a series of lectures on natural theology at the University of Edinburgh in, Edinburgh in Scotland. In 1902, it was put into a book. What is so important about this book is that it was a book about how people, through catastrophe in their life, found God. There are four books that are very instrumental in the framing of the big book. The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James is one of them. This book is instrumental in that it illustrates how people, not of religious background necessarily, found God through a catastrophe. Does this sound familiar? The book illustrates what they were like, what happened, and what they are like now. This book is why you have the stories in the back of the big book. The 42 stories that you have in the back of your fourth edition big book are there because of this. William James, <coughs> excuse me, was one of those people who very very heavily influenced the Oxford group through the writing of this book. It is the philosophy of pragmatism. And the bottom line is is that this book was very popular. Bill read the book, and it had a very profound effect on him. The other three books, just for the sake of uh, scratching an itch, The Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox, the book of James out of the New Testament, and the next chapter, which we're going to get to late next week or early the week after, is The Common Sense of Drinking by Richard Peabody. Every one of these books plays their part. Every one of these books is really instrumental in what we have today. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm so glad to be alive today. I'm 65 years old today. Sometimes I feel like I'm seven. But thank every one of you for being part of the tapestry that kept me alive for 65 years. Today's my belly button. Thank you all, and thanks, Larry, for your service.
Happy birthday, Harlan. Okay, we have Melanie followed by Anna. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. This is Melanie M. from Atlanta. Um, I'm a compulsive eater and recovering. And um, this this passage really speaks to me. The, the word that stuck out to me the most was discover, and that is discover God. And that has been a beautiful journey for me because I came in, um, you know, fully religioned up. And everybody in my family is either a preacher or a teacher. So I thought, check mark, I had that. And the wonderful journey that I have experienced is the journey to really understand who God is. So I moved from a God will strike you down if fill in the blank with various many things um, to embracing God and embracing the challenges because I knew that the challenges that I faced that brought me to my knees in OA and in other areas of my life were really attempts by God to help grow me. And so I'm very grateful for the people on this line and other people in the program who shared their stories because I didn't believe it and I didn't understand that I didn't really know God and I really wasn't really using him. And so today, perfect example, you know, um, our, our past, I used to think, like I said, I used to be driven by fear. And one of the things that I used to hear when I was growing up is don't question God. And when I got to a point where I asked God, where I would ask God, God, what is the message in this? What is it I need to learn? Then I knew I really had it. And I no longer cried, oh, God, why this? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Um, I spent a lot of my years doing that. And I'm no longer do that thanks to this program. And so for any newcomers on the line, I would say just enjoy the journey, allow yourself to discover, um, you know, what God means for you, and listen to a lot of the stories. Um, And I just thank everyone on the line for being so transparent and so honest about um, your challenges, because that's what really spoke to me, not the triumphs, but the challenges and the triumphs over the challenges. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Melanie. Okay, we got Anna followed by Melissa. Hey, Anna, how are you? Hi, Larry. Thank you very much. Uh, this is Anna Kay from the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Very um, grateful, compulsive overreader. So, um, okay. So it says that um, we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Uh, That was the big thing for me. Um, You know, my family, my mother's family uh, ran from the Nazis. A lot of them were killed during the war, and my mother and my uncle grew up in it. And um, my mother came out of it, like, not into religion. And, And she married a man who was not. But my uncle was deeply religious and thrusted upon me in certain ways. Anyway, I just really didn't understand it. I was uh, grew up in Brooklyn, uh, a cultural Jew, and I really, yeah, I had my Hebrew name. I learned some Hebrew things. <laughs> I really just didn't. Um, so when I had finally stepped in the rooms of OA, uh, I just wasn't prepared for that. When I heard the word God, I really wanted to run out, run out of that room. But I stayed because I, I wanted to lose the weight. I was desperate, and I came. In and out of the room was 30 odd years, and you know, I'm now here three years, frankly, in vision. And um, I had to finally become willing enough to try. I mean, I used to say, Oh, God, I don't have God. 
which is, I think, a funny sentence. But um, yeah, I was willing enough to really, truly find something that works for me. For me, it's a dear friend within and without, and uh, friends with skin on it, whatever it is through the program. But there is something that I do feel connected to right now. It's intangible. I know that um, I am loved by something, by the universe, and just like a rose is loved. I'm like that. I'm that creature, that delicate thing or whatever strong thing that has come out in this universe. And it, it does give me peace. And it helps me follow that good orderly direction. And it helps me stay as peaceful as I can. That's what I wanted. Peace, baby, peace from the 60s I am, in a way. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Good luck to everybody. And happy birthday, Harlan. Bye. Thanks, Anna. Um, we got Melissa followed by Kalisa. Hey, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa Steve Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, yeah, I was probably going to say similar to what was just shared, but um, you said that like forming a relationship, you know, there's that word upon simple and understandable terms and, and that I need to be honest and willing enough to try. And, um, you know, so it's good because I've learned like, you know, through the book and through life that, um, religious convictions, you know, like having a belief or any conviction isn't enough for the necessary psychic change. And, and, and it's not enough um, to recover. Like you can have, I can have all sorts of beliefs and I didn't have a, a strong belief. And so um, that's kind of, it was kind of good for me because even if I did, it wasn't going to be enough. So, uh, you know, I'm told I need this experience and now um I'm finding out how to how to get this experience. It's it's um, like forming a relationship, and I love you know I love that word because <clears throat> relationship for me seems so it's approachable. You know, it's it's a connection, it's a friendship, um, a partnership. You know, cooperation with some kind of power, and and I think like. In any relationship, like how do you make a relationship? It's it's not so complex. Like really good relationships, they're kind of simple, and and they're understandable. There's not a lot of drama involved, and and so like here's the terms. It's be honest, um, and and willing. Like how can you have a relationship? I think like in any relationship with my life, in my life, if I'm dishonest and I don't even want the relationship, well then no, I'm not going to get one. And that was kind of how I approached this God thing. No wonder why it didn't work. I wasn't honest and I didn't really want it. You know, it was like, I didn't want it because um, I was afraid of what was going to ask of me. And, and I think it was easier to just, you know, complain that I didn't feel any sort of connection to God, but um, I could be dishonest and not seek it. And so, um, you know, now it's like, uh, okay, so what do I need to do to form a relationship? I need to be entirely honest, truthful, um, and I really have to seek it. And so yeah, it started like just from that, like saying things um, that felt a little awkward. Okay, I could do that. You know, people told me pray, and um, and they said you don't even have to say the prayer as it's laid out. You could tweak it, 
and you could change it. You could say it in any language that sounds legitimate for you. And it was those small actions and just being entirely honest. Um, then I was able to form a relationship and, and that's available for everybody. You know, it's not, um, it's not uh, reserved for just the elite few. And, and that just gives me such hope today. You know, thank you so much with that. I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have a Carlisa. Carlisa, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service, and happy birthday to everyone who is having a birthday of the naval sort. Um, I'd like to, Carlisa, very grateful, um, compulsive eater in recovery, uh, and I'd like to point, pick, pick up on two things. Um, the word relationship is one, and and I guess the second would be the phrase uh, of a living creator. And that, that phrase harkens back for me to this whole idea of a vital spiritual experience. Um, for real, for real, I don't need a, a dead God. I had a lot of dead gods. Food was number one. You know, anything in a bottle or a bag that would take, that would first comfort me and then distract me. And then all the Mishagas <laughs> that would start out around that, you know, or go from that. So I had, for real, um, a lot of different things that I used as comfort. Uh, and, and I had to get, again, honest with myself about those. Also, I had a lot of um, anger, and that powered me through many situations. You know, many, many, many such. So anger was a sort of higher power to me. But again, getting honest, and that for me has been a day-by-day, one-day-at-a-time thing. You know, I've, I've, I've had to learn huge. The relationship which has changed the most has been my relationship with myself and, and coming to an authentic voice and a, an authentic understanding about who I am and being willing to, to say I'm wrong about everything. And, and that not scaring me to death, which fear was another um, influencer, another little God that I didn't even really know that that's how it was for me, that I was so fearful that I would react to everything in anger and then push everybody away and have a, you know, a classic uh, flight, fight or flight um, stance. That's just the way I lived. But today, because of these wrongs, particularly, and because of these steps particularly, and because of these traditions particularly in the literature written over the course of time, I've gotten, I've, I have a different experience today. Um, and I'm so, I'm so appreciative to, about that. And, I, and one last thing is I, many, many of us experienced abuse in our temples or churches. I certainly did. I, I am I am a survivor of abuse, and that some of that abuse was done in the church by people of authority in the church, but they're not my gods today either, you know. And that that is a direct response to the work I've done, especially the fourth step and the fifth step. So, thank you for letting me share, and um, I'll tune in next time. Thanks, Carlisa. Busting out that Yiddish. That's pretty good. All right. So, you guys, um, we are on page, uh, what page? Page 28, third paragraph. 
third paragraph only. Who would like to share on what was read? Janice P.M. Janice. Fran M. Fran S. Chris. Or maybe I got that wrong. Janice, Fran, and Chris. Jody EQ. Hey, Jody. All right, we've got a list here. All right, let's. Here's who I have. I have um, Janice, Fran. I think it was Chris, Deborah, and Jody. So if you are not Janice PM from Boston and not a Red Sox <laughs> fan, please. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, I'm a Red Sox fan, and they're doing well. Okay. Yes, um, but I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. You know, I've read this, I mean, most of a lot of you know, decades, the title, Varieties, <laughs> Varieties of, what's the title here? My goodness, Spiritual Experience. Varieties, that tells us that we don't have to find one way. Nobody in this group, nobody in, in, in any meeting told me, look, at this is what you have to believe. This is how you have to believe. This is my definition of God. And if you don't do it this way, you're not going to get it. No, this is not. There's many, many ways. I, I was thinking that someday we should have a meeting just on the ways, the experiences of each one of us, how we found God. Uh, and, and perhaps listen to people that haven't found God yet because we can't tell you uh, the, the role. It, we can say, of course, and this is what I heard, find your own God. Isn't that what Abby brought to uh, Bill? And uh, that, oh, boy, when somebody tells me to do it my way, well, I'm good at that. Do it my way, Janice. And this is what it is. It's variety of ways. That means multitude of ways for me. I mean, I lived across the street from the church. I never got it. I never did. I went back and they binged in the bakery that we owned. Um, and then, I, and then of course, when you first come in, you either are like me, a cocky, have a God already of your understanding and think you're way ahead of everybody, or you hear the word God and you run away. One of the two. There's only two doors, like like where it says. Now, so, but this is, talking about we, we, their experience. They have many, many experiences on how they became recovered. When they feel it, when they see it, when it's going to happen, it is bound to happen. That's a promise. If we practice these 12 steps. So we have a bond together. We're united. What are we united on? Well, we're all united on um, the solution, the solution, and isn't that what it's all about? Nobody's debating that this God, your God doesn't do it, and this is the way you should do it. And, you know, because we include everybody. It doesn't matter what your race or creed is, you know. And this is how the first relationship that is necessary to go on is to really start having a relationship with a higher power. It starts with the first step. Um, you know, um, and if you don't have it, it says, wait, you're going to come to know. 
you're going to come to get a higher power that's going to restore us to different thinking. That's going to happen. I I don't know anybody that's done this program and it hasn't happened if they've done it, you know, honestly, or if they really are trying. They have to put the food down first. Okay. Um, That's what we have to do first, and that's what we have to agree upon. Um, and so it's, it's, it's the experience, we, we, and uh, all of us, all of us will be able to get that relationship at the end or in the beginning or at step five, I mean, but usually after the men's. So as soon as we are willing and to try, doesn't say you have to believe, that will come. Once you are willing and then you try and then you believe and guess what happens? then you have faith, then there is no stopping because you just experience it, you feel it, and you see it in others. And so um, no matter how you practice your faith, we have no friction and uh, there's no discussion. Remember, you never hear, well, this is what we should do. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. Okay, we have Fran followed by Chris. Good morning, Fran. It's your turn. Hi, this is Fran, uh, Fran M. in New Jersey, and um, the paragraph, um, Varieties of Religious Experience, I love that it just makes um, higher power available to all of us. Um, I feel sometimes a little bit like an outsider. I'm not a religious person, and I don't really like to even just use God or God as a hymn. Um, but I know that for me, varieties of religious experience, as implied in the big book and interpreted on this phone line and in programs since I came in uh, in 1978, really leaves the door wide open. For me, the spiritual experience uh, this morning is getting an email from a person that upset me going into a little tear in my head and then remembering that some people aren't struck overnight with a change in personality, but it happens slowly. So I know I have to pause, do a tenth step, see where I'm being self-centered or fearful or dishonest, perhaps fill out a worksheet, perhaps call someone else and turn it over, perhaps do something for someone else but turn it over to a higher power, which for me, all I can get to after all these years is that my higher power is goodness. And it's a struggle to find what goodness means in every situation because I don't follow the dictates of a particular religion that says this is good and this is bad. I have a hard time sometimes knowing But when I meditate or take a walk around my neighborhood, which is my way of worshiping, I always kind of know what goodness is. I know goodness is not to be angry over this email. I know goodness is to turn it over and talk to someone else and try to make things work out instead of trying to fan the flames, which would be the normal way that I would proceed. And it's so trivial and it's so mundane, but for me, that's the religious experience And that's what's going to enrich my life. And what I love about this program that distinguishes it from everything else 
is that it tries to have us live better lives without defining those but leaving those up to us. And if we live better lives, the hope is that we won't need to practice our addiction. Or if we are not practicing our addiction, then we will need to live better lives in order to survive. So thanks for sharing this. And um, it's a beautiful day here in New Jersey. I hope the day is as good for everyone else. And happy birthday, Harlan. Thanks. Thank you, Fran. Okay, we have Chris followed by Devorah. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Hi, this is Chris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, I just wanted to comment on the phrase, having enough willingness and honesty to try to have a relationship. And I know for me, as I have in the last three years, slipped and slide, slid all over the place, um, in my recovery journey and telling myself that I did have the willingness to try to have that relationship, but trying indicates action. (laughs) And, um, I was doing the action that I was willing to do. I was not taking the actions that I was not willing to do. And I was not being honest about that. And the way I discovered that this time around, having worked the steps and found recovery, is by listening with a great deal of humility and desperation to all of you who have found recovery and carry the message. And I knew I just had to do do this program full throttle every single day, and it didn't matter It doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter if it's inconvenient. And now that I've surrendered my will and I'm truly invested in that relationship with my higher power, miracles upon miracles are happening. And and I I, I just, I, I can't even believe how simple it really is. And now I'm like, oh, okay. That's what everybody's been saying. I get it. Hallelujah. But I still have to pray and pray and pray to continue to be humble and active in this program. And when I'm confused and lost and, you know, slip and and one of my character defects, I need to turn to one of you and to my higher power and have that relationship. God speaks through all of you to me. And just do what I'm told and, and, and be in action with humility and as much honesty as I'm capable with. So I'm just so grateful today for all of you and, and for my higher power. And I, I'm happy to say that I spent an hour with God this morning. And I did it with willingness and honesty. And, and I just feel so blessed for this recovery. And if it can happen for me, it can happen for you if you're willing to try and be honest. Thanks a lot, and I pass. Thanks, Chris. Okay, now seating. Party of one, Devorah, followed by Jody. Hey, Devorah. Hey, Riley. Thank you so much, and everyone on the line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And that sentence, those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. 
there is no friction among us over such matters. And I just love that because, honestly, I did, I came into this program and I, and I am affiliated and I was affiliated with a, with a religion and, you know, practicing, you know, the stuff, all the stuff that went along with it. But, um, you know what, honestly, I really wasn't very connected spiritually. Um, I knew that God was there for me. Um, on somewhat level, I didn't know for the little things with my food, but I had to learn that in program. And you know, there was certain, I just you know I knew all the stories that I grew up with, all the stuff and the and the foods and the holidays and everything that along went with it. But um, honestly, I really didn't know the basic principles of what we what we practice today. And what's so cool about it is that this whole book, all the principles that we learn about in this book. Is all based on my religion. It's amazing. It's it's incredible that the things that are my my religion and spiritual development that I need to do is all based here on these pages. Um, and I don't know which came first, but whatever it is, you know, I tried to end up meaning saying that this is based on you know this is God given. So I totally could see that. Um, and um, and when I go today to classes you know, led by spiritual um, advisors and mentors. I, you know, and these people are not in a 12-step program, but they're, but they're talking about the principles here in this program. And what do I hear over and over again? I hear about telling us that we have to get out of ourselves and help other people and be kind to people. And the things that are coming out of these, these, these mouths of these spiritual leaders are just the stuff that we talk about here every day. And I'm just so always so blown away. I walk out of that and I say, ah, oh, I just, I'm coming from another meeting, you know? Um, and um, so I'm really, really grateful. Um, I'm learning so much here from these pages and from all of you on, on spirituality and um, which my religion, I didn't have growing up, you know, I had to put the, you know, I had to do the, I'm doing now the legwork that I missed all the years. Um, and uh, really, really grateful um, for the opportunity to practice this another day with all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Okay, Jody, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. And thank you for your service. So um, I have not read Varieties of Logistic Experience. It's on my uh, list to read, but I haven't yet. But I think Janice had it right when she said Varieties of Spiritual Experience. I'm just guessing that that would be a more appropriate title because there's, a, there's really a big difference between religious and spiritual. Religious is a set of beliefs and a set of ideas that a group of people agree upon, that this is the way it is. And spiritual is much more nebulous. It's like anything to do with the spirit. And uh, it also says here that we, there is, there, we do not desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. When I first came into the rooms many years ago, that was such a breath of fresh air, having been raised in a religion where it's this way and it's exactly this way. Not so, is what this is telling me, that we can 
we can come to believe in something greater than ourselves by working these 12 steps that will lead us to abstinence, happy, contented abstinence, and a better way of life than we have found in the food that will be unique to us, really, and unique to our own experience, our culture, whatever, our religion or lack thereof. And that is so, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And really, back in the 30s when this was written, and even today, this statement, whatever our race, creed, or color, we are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. This is for anyone and everyone who wants a relationship with a higher power and who's willing to try and who's honest. Those are the requirements for recovery. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. It's, it's a hope, hopeful, and a promise that we can have any of us. And that's a blessing for which I am grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Okay, time for a few more names. Page uh, 28, the third paragraph. Who would like to share what was read? Julie K. Louise. Marzi. Hey, Mara. Angela D. Angela. Okay, let's let's start with that, and we'll see where we are in the time. So, if you can mute your line, if you're not Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Hi, I'm Julie K. from New York, uh, recovering compulsive overeater and Red Sox fan. Um. I I was in program for several years, uh, for about three years, probably three years ago, and I didn't have this piece. I didn't have the spiritual connection, and so I picked up. And it has since become obvious to me that that's why I picked up. Um, but I've always struggled with that differentiation between religion and spirituality. And I, I, I'm just back in for maybe two months, six weeks, two months, and listening to this meeting every single day on my commute, and it's been, it's been life-altering. Um, the way all of you talk about your connection and the way, the, the breadth of experience has just been, um, it's been amazing to me. I my gratitude towards all of you people who I don't know is is indescribable. Um, what you do for people who are new to this program is really incredible, and I appreciate all of you, and I'm so grateful. And I am learning about what my connection is to my higher power, and it is very different from the religion that I grew up with. 
that told me I was wrong and bad because I'm married to a woman. And, you know, I have learned to, to forgive that upbringing and really make my own connection. And it's because of all of you, and I'm super, super grateful. So happy birthday, Harlan, and have an awesome weekend, guys. A pass. Thanks, Julie. Mara. Hey, Mara. Good morning. Mara, I can hear you, Mara. <clears throat> well, she just hung up after that. Sorry about that. I was talking Good away. Morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for your service. Mara Z, recovered in Virginia and uh, fan of the first place New York Yankees. I need to say nothing more. But we're uh-huh. talking about the big book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Children are the living creator. A living creator. That just is an amazing concept. It's not some theory, some um entity, some thing that we talk about that existed in past tense, you know, back when the pharaohs were in Egypt and, you know, the Romans were in charge and all of that time, you know, because that's when parts of the Bible were written. No, it's a living entity, a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understanding terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. I was willing enough. I had not been honest enough with myself, let alone to be honest with the living creator. The 12 steps taught me honesty. The 12 steps taught me honesty first with myself and then with God and then with another human being. But I didn't have those before. I wanted to be in a relationship with God. I wanted to believe in God. I did believe in God for a very long time. I just didn't believe he gave a rat's patootie about me and now being fat and not being able to stop eating. He could help everybody else in the rooms, but I wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy. And so I didn't believe that he cared or was in my life. That's ego. And that had to be crushed. And thankfully, through the 12 steps, it gets crushed daily. Do I still mess up? Yes. Do I owe an amends right now? Yes. Do I want to make that amends right now? Yes. Do I hope the person is willing to accept it? Yes. I have no control over that side of the street, though. But it's only through knowing God and having him work in my life. And I know he works in my life. There have been too many things that have happened in my life that are absolute proofs to me, that he exists and he exists in my life and he's here for me. There are too many instances to count. The first time I remember God taking care of me before I gave him permission to do so was not leaving me alone with my father because he had grand mal epileptic seizures. I was terrified of them. I loved my dad. There was no abuse in my home. I loved my dad. I was afraid to be with him because I wouldn't know what to do for him. I would not be able to care for him because I froze with fear when he had one. I was blessed that the few times that I was alone with my daddy, he didn't have a seizure. I have fabulous memories. I am blessed that God, my father, is with me every day. 
and he teaches me every day. He gives me Buddhas every day to learn from. So, honest enough to try, I am for today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Mara. Okay, Angela, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. Angela D. up in Westchester recovered. Oh, what could I say about God? He's indescribable. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. He knew me before I even existed. He loves me all day long. He cares about every hair on my head. But I didn't think so growing up. I found that in the program. Through his steps. We are privileged to have a God that loves us and walks with us. He teaches me and instructs me with his eye upon me. We are privileged that he gave us steps. Any newcomer out there, don't give up. Keep coming back. He will reveal himself to you because of his love. Have a great day. Thank you, Angela. We have time for another share if someone wants it. Alita Jane, Wisconsin. Alita? Carmella. Is it Alita? Oh, sorry, yes. Carmella. Yeah, I think, I think we I got Alita in there, so she'll, she'll wrap us up here. Okay, Alita, good morning. Good morning, Larry. <clears throat> good morning, everyone. Um, it says a lot of, um, that in, there's indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. And then a little farther, it says, um, faith can be acquired. And then a little farther into the paragraph, we may form a relationship upon a simple and understandable terms with God. And, um, I've been in and out of relapse for many quite a few years, um, and and oftentimes listening to um, people who, on the meeting, who have, uh, who had a very strong, it sounded like very strong relationship with God, and I would be feeling like, what's the matter? Why can't I get this? And um, so I would go back to the food, using food as my God, but earlier, um, or at some point in the book, it says, God comes to all who earnestly seek him. And I wasn't earnestly seeking God. I would be on the run, um, on my way to the refrigerator saying, God, please help me. But that would be almost, it would be almost like a second thought. But I need to learn. I've come to find out that I need to come to God in a spirit of um, awe and um just holiness type just because god made me and loves me so much and um then i am earnestly seeking god when i do that and then god does come to me when i earnestly seek god step one i'm powerless i have no power so when i was being my own god our food was my god I was, I was, there was a big block and I, I wasn't growing or changing. Um, step two came to believe that a power greater than myself could 
restore me to sanity. So step two, I I need to put myself in the background and put God in the foreground, put the food in the background. And uh, um, it just... I've had a long journey trying to discover God and form a relationship with God, but I just have learned, according to my sponsor, that I just need to be in the step that I'm on and um, be comfortable with that and earnestly seek God. And I thank you for allowing me to share, and I will pass. Thank you, Alita. Thanks for closing us out uh, to a wonderful meeting. Um, and thank you to everyone who has uh, who's participated this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today, which is um, uh, Friday, May 24, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 12,951. That's 12951. So now we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Janice P.M., the Red Sox fan, take us out here, Janice? Good morning. Well, thank you so much, Larry. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive always. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Then great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to all your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.